I don't know what possessed me that day to take out the, the pen. I've forgotten, you see, what I've written. You want me to read this? Mm. From the date. So we have Monday, the 13th of June, 2023. Um, this is in regards to my brother, No Long. I'm saying, looking at your recent photographs in Dublin while you stood by the railings, it was horrific, to say the least. The previous Friday, you were brought before the Central Criminal Courts in regards to the murder of Mrs. Nora Sheehan, R.I.P. Try as I might to feel any kind of sorrow for your situation, I failed. In fact, it set my mind on a long journey of harrowing memories of your violence and abuse to all of us at one time or another. I first met Juliana Moore Watkins over 10 years ago. I'd been trying to track down her brother, Noel Long, who'd been the chief suspect in the killing of Nora Sheehan in Cork in 1981. He'd even been charged with the murder at the time, but the case fell apart when two members of the investigation team, a pathologist and a police officer, both died in the run-up to the trial. The case was thrown out on a technicality and the murder was never solved. No other suspect had ever shown up either. I confronted Long about it at his home outside Cork City, but he brushed me off. I met Juliana shortly after that, and later she took her brother to court. He'd attacked her, leaving her battered and bruised. It wasn't the first time he'd hit her, and she wasn't the first person he'd attacked. The most recent being your cruel and vicious abuse of our mother, a frail old woman who was scared to death of you. Time and time again, we, her children, appealed to the HSE to remove you as her carer. But each time my mother was questioned, she said she wanted you to remain as her carer. Eventually, she admitted to me that it was in pure fear of her safety that she did so. She was scared of you and the threats of what you warned her you would carry out. You robbed her continually. You cut her off from all her friends and family, turning her home into a prison. An old, frail, vulnerable, wheelchair-bound lady was putty in your evil hands. No Long was a known sexual predator and a notoriously violent man. He was the kind of man people were scared of, over the years, he'd been involved in dozens of assaults, robberies and sexual offences, including the rape of a young woman with special needs. He had been suspected of murder, and yet he'd never spent a long time in prison. He'd largely managed to stay free, living under the radar in Cork, working and raising a family. But those closest to him, his family, the siblings he'd grown up with, knew the truth. They knew the chaos that swirled around him. They knew well the vicious temper that could flare up at any moment. You never took her to the shops to buy food. She wanted our light. I often found the food out of date. You put the cheapest of cheap 
into the fridge and the presses. Every chance you got, you put her into St. Patrick's nursing home while you had spent her pension in Portugal or elsewhere. You took 10,000 from her credit union accounts and even after her death, continued to rob her pension at the post office in Bishopstown. What kind of evil animal are you? 11 years ago, I stood at Noel Long's front door and I asked him, did you kill Nora Sheehan? This year, Long was finally brought to court to face that charge in front of a judge and jury. It was during that court case that I reconnected with Juliana. I wanted to know how she felt now that her brother was on trial for murder. I wanted to know why it had taken 42 years to get him there. And I wanted to understand the damage he'd done to his own family, to his community, and most of all, to Nora Sheehan and her family. How had this man been allowed to walk the streets? And what other crimes was he guilty of? Would he finally be put behind bars? You're listening to Beast, the murder of Nora Sheehan, a Crime World podcast. This is episode one. In August 1977, I remember the beating you gave my mother in the mobile home in Kinsale in front of two men and three women. You pounded her to the floor of the mobile until I took a large knife and put it to your neck to get you to let her go. I said it to your men, I'll cut, her, I'll cut his fucking throat. I said from ear to ear if you don't get him off. You and that gang tried to rock rock the mobile off its foundation with my mother and me inside. It would have careered down the cliff face. You followed us home, ramming the car into mine to pull us off the road. At the house, you aimed a spear gun directly at my dad, God rest him, and you did pull the trigger. It didn't go off. You pulled the arrow out you know what I'm talking about, a spear gun. This would have been what he used in his diving, was yes, it? Yes, a spear gun that you shoot big fish with in the sea. This is a, a lethal weapon. You pulled the arrow out and came swinging. It's like a sword at me. And Jimmy ran, that's my brother, and put his arms around my head and my shoulders to protect me, to try and protect my head. You began to slash him about the face and the head, resulting in numerous stitches. We definitely wanted to call the guardie and have you arrested, but yet again, my mother said, no, 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 no. She told Charlie and myself, if you do this, you will never darken my door again. So that's as far as I got. sounds like chaos, that incident. Chaos. What happened that evening was my mom asked my dad to drive her to Kinsale. She knew something was going on at the mobile home. My dad said no. She asked my husband. He said no. She kept badgering me and eventually I said okay. And I drove her down. We went down into Kinsale, over the bridge, turned left to Castle Park. 
there's a pub there and it's a lovely setup, private beach, everything. And over on the right is where the mobile homes up on the hill. He was there in the pub with these people. He sent over a vodka and whatever to me, cut my mother. And we stayed because my mother wasn't searching. But they left then and went up to the mobile. And my mother said to me, come on. So we went up. And when she opened the door, he caught her like that by the back of the neck and he ripped her in. Now, these women were half naked at that time inside in the mobile right home. So they were going to use it for a bit of a sex orgy. That's mm. what it was mm-hmm. for. That's why they had the mobile home. That's when he attacked her. And I screamed at these people to get him off. My mo- he was pounding her like he would have killed her. And were they shocked? I don't know, but I remember leaning over him where the sink and units were and pulling out the drawer. I knew where things, because I had holidayed in that mobile home. And I did pull out the carving knife and I did have it up. I think I caught him on the neck. And I did say, I caught his fucking throat. And I would have if he didn't, if he didn't release her. Your mother must have been, back then, she was challenging him somewhat. To a degree, I don't think at that time she was afraid of him. Mm. I don't think she was aware of just what he was capable of at that time. Or she felt that she still had a bit of control over him. I think, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah. I think you're right in saying that. Yeah. It's 45 years ago. 47, is it? I'm looking at it like... I see it like I was there all over again all those years ago. Because it was such a horrific attack on a woman, you know, and when you think about it, I saw an absolute battering, a battering that day. And had he been left alone, he would have killed her. No Long was charged with the murder of Nora Sheehan on June 28th, 2022. His trial was big news this year. The murder had taken place in 1981, 42 years before. If Long was convicted, it would be the oldest murder case ever successfully prosecuted in Ireland. It had taken years of police work to get the case to court, as well as a slew of changes to the law and developments in forensic technology. The evidence was new. The testimony was new. But the suspect was the same. And when I met Juliana at her house in Tipperary, I saw how nervous she was. He'd gotten away with it before. Would he do it again? He is an opportunist. He's up there at the moment. And I can guarantee to you, he hasn't got care in the world about what's going on around him. But his brain is ticking over all the time. And he's listening for the one little bit of information that will help him to walk free where he can kick his heels together again and say, fuck ye all, I got away with it again. And is that how you feel at this moment in time? You just wouldn't be, are you, have you any confidence that this could be the end? (sighs) I'm aware he's in an awful lot of trouble. I am. And I looked at one of the photographs and I zoomed in on it where he was arrested and brought to Bandon. And I saw for the first time in my life two terrorised eyes 
That was the first time I ever saw fear on his face. But to answer your question, if there is a loophole, he'll find it. If there's a way of reducing the responsibility he has for this incident, for this woman, he will find a way. He has no empathy for the boys belonging to Mrs. Shane that are in that court today or for anybody else that's around him. He don't give a fiddler shit about nobody. Nobody. Number one, him. That's all that bothers him. But I will say one thing. If he goes behind bars, the one thing you can't take from no long is his freedom. And I pray to God he takes his freedom. That's my deepest prayer. Take his freedoms. That's the worst thing that you could do to him. Call him a rapist, murderer, anything you like. Do not take away his freedom. If this case goes with the forensic evidence they have, I'd be 70% sure. But there's 30% of me scared to death that something will happen. That the first thing when I heard it's gone down to 11, I thought, oh, Jesus, will there be any more come off? Will there be a mistrial called? Will somebody do something in the media? And will the judge turn around and say, ah, we can't continue with this case because this man is already being judged and it's not gone to that point yet. And that's a possibility. There are possibilities where it can be turned around. Until I see him behind bars and they close that gate and lock that gate behind him, I'm not going to be sure that that's where he's going. But he deserves to be behind bars, Nicola. He deserves everything that he's getting and more. But the fucking sad thing about it is he doesn't accept what he's getting. He doesn't see what he's getting as he's just deserts. He sees the unfairness. How dare these people? Who do they think they are? Why are they doing this to me? He's thinking, if this goes right for me, I can sue these buckers. I'll be, I'll be set for life. They've ruined my life. Because if he gets away with this, there's no going back. There's double jeopardy there. You can't do it again. I'm surprised that they had him up for murder in 81. It was thrown out and they have him up for murder now. I didn't think that was possible. Yeah, because I watched the movie Double Jeopardy and I thought, that I remember the woman in the prison, the prisoner saying to the woman, they already think you shot him. So if you break out of here and you go after him and shoot him and kill him, they can't recharge you again. And that's what she did. It's not always right in the movies. <laughs> Newsflash. <laughs> <laughs>
All jokes aside. But you know, if he goes to jail, if he's convicted, he will die behind bars. 17th of August is my mother's anniversary. And his case will be over a day or two before that. So he'll be sentenced for her anniversary. And he started on the 13th. And 13 follows our house like plague. The number of our house was 13. There's still a long way to go. There is a long ways to go. There is a long ways to go. Nora Sheehan was a 54-year-old mother of three living in Ballyfehan in Cork City. She was last seen alone, waving down cars a short distance from her home at about 4am on the morning of June 7th, 1981. She had suffered a dog bite to her left arm and she'd gone to the South Infirmary Hospital earlier that evening. Agnes Rice, the nurse who treated Nora at the hospital that night, later described her as a vulnerable person. She'd had a fall in recent years and her behaviour was described by those who knew her as eccentric. Nora was a familiar sight on the roads near her home, attempting to wave down cars and talking to passers-by. Neighbours reported hearing her shout at cars, things like open the boots and let out the bodies. Six days after she was last seen, her body was found by forestry workers in Shippool Woods, just outside the small town of Inishannon, south of Cork City. I mean, it is quite slanted down into the river this way. Yeah. And it was described that her body was... There's, a, there's flowers. Where? There's flowers there. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. sunflowers. Yeah. Somebody, somebody has put those there because there's one up there at the gate as well. I think we're in the right, in the right area. So she was toppled over the wall on the she main road. She was placed over the wall on the main road and there was a steep, yeah. very steep um, yeah. decline down. And it seems like her, her head was more towards the river. Her legs were kind of faced, facing up towards the... Um, the wall or mm. up, up higher yeah. and the coat was down further so whether that was thrown at, as a, an afterthought it seemed like she had been dragged up maybe she w- went down too far and was pulled back up a bit because she had those um, marks and scar- scrapes on her back from the briars she was missing a shoe her dress was pulled up over her head as well that could have ended up going upwards from being dragged either caught in some it was dramas. mentioned as well that she would have been dragged from the boot of the car and that being dragged along, yeah, you know, sticks and stones and you name it on the ground, you know. Yeah. So it's over, it's over this way. Now, my sense of direction. Over this way? Yeah, over this way. Yeah. I think this is as close as we're going to be able to get. I think so too, yeah. No, this is not at all what I, what I expected. Mm. But um, it's horrifying. It's horrifying. Would you have known Noel to use these woods for walking or anything like no. that? He would have known about the area because he lived in Bishopstown, which 
you know, it's very close. Bishopstown is only a couple of minutes in the road from here. Then you have the back road leading from Bishopstown for Kinsale, which is a, a road he would have travelled quite a bit. When you, when you see a place like this, it's an intentional place to hide a body. It is definitely a place you will think, well, that, that isn't going to be found for quite a while, you know. It would make you wonder, if he was into picking up women, would he have picked up women in the past and taken them to the viewing area? Would he have walked in these areas with these women? The chances are I would say yes. I would say yes. Well, we've dug up another one where he took a woman to Currabinny Woods and tried to kiss her in the car and mm. tried to have it on with her, but didn't. Yeah. She fought back, so it seems to be his... That's his... Part of his MO. Yeah. Like, if he was panicking in a way, this had to be some sort of a comfort zone in that panic. Like, he wasn't calculatedly thinking. So this was somewhere he knew it had to be. He's a body in the car, he has to get rid of the body. Yeah. He has to, like, you know, you're on autopilot then, aren't you? You're going somewhere that you absolutely know you can do what you have to do. So it would make sense that he was bringing women out to these woods. But that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking, that he wouldn't have been a stranger in that respect. Mm. It's just really dumping a human being like they were rubbish. It is, yeah, it is. But that's what the two, the two men, they thought, they, they came across an animal, they, they thought it was a pig. Mm. Um, because in that particular area, they spoke of people dumping rubbish or animals, dead dogs or whatever like that, and in the hope that when they put it over the embankment, that it would go down into the river and that would be it, it would be disposed of. So whether or not Noel intended for her body to to go down you know did he think she had gone down there if it was that dark did he think she'd actually gone down there but it's it's horrific and nobody deserves that Nicola mm. nobody at all deserves that there, there was no no respect mm. at all for her do you think he would have been panicking I would imagine so yeah I would imagine so. To get rid, you know, as, as quick as possible. The act was done. And the, the thing then was to get away with it. He needed to get away with it then. So to decide what to do then with her at that particular time, he would definitely have been panicking. But um, right up to the end, you know, I think he was cocksure that he had got away with it. It's just a nightmare, a complete and utter nightmare. And being here, I'm glad I came here. I'm glad I came here because this isn't at all what I anticipated. I had no, I had no uh, idea that we'd come this deep, like into the wood. Yeah, it's just hard to imagine. Like forty-two years. How did you feel today being in that place? I, I didn't feel good. 
I didn't feel good. I, I, I kind of um, a sort of a sadness came over me. It's um, it 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 brings it brings what happened to a head. You know, it it makes it real. And uh, I'm not saying I, I'm sorry I went out there. I'm not. I'm, I'm glad I went out there. I am glad I went out there. But uh, it's such a lonely place. And to know that she was there, like, for the better part of a week, you know. I just kept thinking of how, un, how unfair that was for her, you know, and how disrespectful it was for her. Was wrong, wrong in a hundred different ways. It was wrong, terrible, absolutely terrible. It it brings it it brings it home to you, you know. Uh, like when I was walking along, I was thinking that somebody, and and I, that putting myself away from him as my brother. Somebody had made a conscious decision after the act of murdering somebody to come to that area to dispose of that person in that area in the express hope, like, of getting away with murder, basically. And and that's very frightening. That's very, very frightening that a conscious decision was made, you know, to do that. Such a lonely, isolated place. So I didn't feel very good at all, Ian. I've been quite honest with you. I felt a little bit nauseated, you know, just just looking around. And it's it's awful. It is awful. You know, she she was very very badly beaten, and she was she was raped, and she was. She was terrorized. That woman had a had an awful death altogether. And then to top it off, to be taken out into a wood where we were today, and to be disposed of like an old bag of rubbish, very upsetting. That's very upsetting. Because I can I can look at that woman, and I can put my own mother in her place. How would I feel if that was done to my own mother? You know, I mean, you, your brain won't compute that because we're not wired that way. You know, we, we don't look at things like that. Most people aren't like No Long. He's a rapist, a killer. He has shown no remorse for his actions. But was he always that way? How did he become the man he is today? In the next episode, we'll hear more from Juliana about Noel's childhood, his effects on his family, and the early signs of his violent, volatile nature. You've been listening to Beast, the murder of Nora Sheehan, a Crime World podcast presented by me, Nicola Talent, and produced by Ian Mullaney and Clodamini. This podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network.